The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Hello and welcome to another episode of Bucker Busters. I'm Paul and back with me once again is Pat. How you doing? What's up? <laughs> Yes, Party but, in the house! Oh yes, woot woot <laughs> and all that. <laughs> so as you can probably tell by whatever I've called this episode, we are going to be talking about the series Ruby, and specifically the first season of Ruby, which we have both recently rewatched. And before we go into that, just to throw out all the nuts and bolts here, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blokebusters. You can email us at theblokes at blokebusters.com. We do have a Patreon page, which I don't mention as often as I should. It's patreon.com slash blokebusterspodcast. If you could check us out on there and even just give us you know, the first tier, just a dollar a month. It's really not too much, and it would very much help keep the lights going. <laughs> just this little podcast and uh, if you decide you wish to give more there are some tiers that could be interesting to you and uh, hell maybe we'll give you your own nickname or something just because you <laughs> deserve it <laughs> uh, but yes so that's really all I need to say about us out the way so I say we get going with Talking about Ruby, because there is actually quite a lot to talk about here. Just just one or 37 different facts. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know what Ruby is, Ruby is a show that was created by a man called Monty Ohm. And he... Ah, uh, severely missed. Yes. Uh, he was working at Rooster Teeth, and he was working on Red vs. Blue, which is their signature show. And during the 10th season, I believe it was, he mm-hmm. went to Bernie Burns, who at the time was running the company, and said, hey, I have an idea for a show I'd like to do. I think it was the other way around that. The fact that uh, Bernie saw how hard Monty worked and he wanted to – because Monty uh, for years has always made his own side projects. He's always had a bunch of them. So I think Bernie came to Monty and said, do you have an idea for a show? And Monty pitched it. Um, probably. You might know more than me uh, for that. Oh, that's fine. But uh, I do know that uh, when the show was pitched to Bernie, he basically said, if you finish season 10, you can do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> so Monty finished season 10, and he even managed to create the first trailer to premiere at the end of the season 10 finale. So he was able to really power that out. And well, apparently, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and uh, it, it kind of is interesting because if you go and watch that 
first trailer, which is just the red trailer, it's still phenomenal. Uh, even if you compare it to how the show looked now, it's such a wonderfully stylized trailer and so well done. So, uh, what, what were you about to say? I was going to say that uh, I was surprised to find out I was listening to the director commentary. So when he created the trailers, one, it was just to advertise the show. No brainer there. But actually, it was a lot of just to test to see could you make uh, animatics with uh, with that format? Because, uh, you know, he was branching out the world, but he wasn't sure how the rigs were going to work and all that. So actually, it was also a test for him to see if he could create uh, a program to which other people could come on and do it with him. Yeah, so I thought that was fascinating. Like, oh, he was not. Not only was he creating the show, he's like, now I got to bring others on with me. So I got to create the program that they'll all work in. <laughs> yeah, got to figure out how to use this one program and then teach everyone else how to use said program. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it was interesting that the show. I remember seeing the trailers when they came out, and it was just really cool to watch and look at. Okay, so they're the real specific style to these and it was interesting to watch it grow uh, yeah. even just through the trailers because the first two don't have any voice work mm-hmm. and then the black and yellow trailers did dude i got uh, i remember watching ruby tr- the ruby trailer and i go okay i like this this is kind of cool this matches with what i grew up watching of monty i kind of watched why yeah, all right i'm a, this is all right Black was okay. And then when I saw the Yang one, I'm like, damn, I gotta watch this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my jam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Yang is just a very interesting character. <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have a, a quote here from Monty. And he said, My vision for the show was to present a two dimensional, toon shaded look, but with all the depth and complexity of a 3D animated production. I wanted to be able to move the cameras and characters freely while still capturing the essence of the flat, line-drawn look of traditional anime. <laughs> and I didn't even really think about that, but like, reading that and thinking back on rewatching season one, it is kind of, kind of blaringly obvious that that's actually yeah. the case. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and especially during a couple of moments where Ruby does go full anime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of weird to see, like, you know, in retrospective, like, they, I don't feel like they, they dive a lot into those anime tropiness anymore. Because, like, the first season, I feel like they did, stuck to a lot of those, like, chibi little things, cute little things, all that, but, like, they kind of strayed away from it as the longer went on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and yeah, full disclosure, I am somewhere in the middle of season four right now, so I have not caught up to where they are. And don't uh, worry, I won't spoil anything. We're, this whole discussion will just be about you know the retrospective of season one, and maybe just some some of our thoughts on like has the series progressed from our our viewpoint because the Ruby today is not the Ruby or the Ruby today is not the Ruby it was when it started. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. And uh, and that's that's really cool, actually. I, I will say it's been very interesting watching a show that evolved this much over such a short amount of time. I mean, Red vs. Yeah. Blue obviously evolved, and they started trying new things as they got access to better engines and better 
stuff and they were feeling able to really take risks whereas ruby they as the series kept going they were able to do more and then they were willing to just go all right like we're going all in on this straight away so it's always fun to see <laughs> yeah um so <laughs> i th- i think probably a, a good place to start then is uh, you've got your four main characters and uh, obviously we're going to have to talk about them only in season one. <laughs> yep. But out but the, of... The, the big... There's a whole big cast. Are we just thinking of the main four or the main eight? Well, I would say right right now, just beginning off, you've got Ruby as in RWBY, so the main four there. Yeah, Which okay. Which of those four, based solely on the first season, is your favorite? Based solely on the first season. First season only, I would have to put my money on Blake. I can definitely see why you're saying that. Because she's definitely the most interesting of them. I think she has the most character growth of the first season. Everyone had their moments of shine, but I feel like Blake uh, really got a... Like I, I'm surprised how much, and this isn't a spoiler, but like how much the things they revealed in this season have still repercussions to the current episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll say right now, full spoilers for the first season. Of yeah. Because <laughs> there's no way we can talk about it without talking about it. <laughs> well, if you're doing a retro respect, retrospective of the first season, we're bound to cover things that you probably should know already. Yes. So anyone that has not watched Ruby and is going, you know, I think I should watch it, just watch it now. It's just under two hours if you watch the whole thing. <laughs> watch it. Hour and 40 minutes, exactly. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I've had to watch it twice. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, you got Blake being uh, being exposed as a Faunus, which is, uh, in this world, it's someone who has uh, animal traits, basically. So she happens to have cat ears. And other other people in this world, they might have a monkey's tail and be here. Sun Wukong! <laughs> My yeah. favorite character. In the show. I love Sun. <laughs> Voiced by Michael. I love that guy. He's my favorite. All right, I'll stop. No, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he becomes really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, the show really start delving into some interesting stuff about that. And it's clear that the Farnas are seen, especially by some, aka Weiss, as people that are no good and always causing issues. And that's only because an organization that was started by a bunch of Farnas ended up going down the terrorist route. So, and that's pretty much all that we get in the first season. True, but isn't it kind of? I I only caught into this on the second viewing. I didn't realize that they made a point to make Weiss's side of the argument uh, somewhat understandable as well, because she was a victim of the terrorist attacks. Yeah. Like it's never really explained in the show, but it's very clear that her eye injury was from one of those attacks. Yeah, it's really really cool that they they actually gave these characters like proper reasons for believing the way they do, even mm-hmm. this early on. 
and it's and it's so cool and there's so many things upon rewatching it that I realized as you said earlier like, it's something that is just kind of thrown out but we know and I know for a fact because I've heard many people from Rooster Teeth mentioning it that Monty has a bible Mm-hmm. of the show and they're still referring to it and still pulling from it now it was still crazy so listening to the the director commentary monty made quite a few references to the bible that he created for the show specifically he created the bible for the four main characters yeah. that as you said carry on then today now he didn't you know sadly due to his passing like he didn't have the entire cast but as you said, like the the four main characters and the four side characters, he re- has a bible for all of them that they are clearly fleshed out in his mind even before he started the show. I'm like, dang, <laughs> <laughs> Monty overworking himself again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he when he had the inspiration, that that guy could really do something. So yeah, and it's it, crazy to think like. Um, and we'll we'll get into it, but like I was amazed to find out like the scenes that were solely him. Right. It's like he did this whole part by himself. <laughs> Holy moly! So. Well, this is a guy that would work for what seventy-two hours in a row, and then just yeah, sleep for just... an hour and then continue. <laughs> he was also like, uh, if you ever saw like videos with him, uh, you looked at his like desk workstation, like on his keyboard, he had removed. Uh, buttons on his keyboard if he found that they were redundant and he didn't serve them well and make them efficient he yanked them out yep so he could never accidentally touch them yep (laughs) just gone he's like he was the definition of I will be productive with every single moment minute of my time like wow yeah well that there was a a saying and obviously we're tangenting a little bit but uh, yeah to really drive that home uh Bernie Burns mentioned in the one podcast they did after he died that he was the type of guy that would put in five minutes and 55 seconds and then hit start on the microphone yeah. rather than six minutes because then he would have to move his finger an extra time and so he wouldn't do that. He just so, hit five three times versus like six years or Yeah, so any anything that was saving half a second, he would do because that's yeah. just what he did. So. But to uh, steer us back onto your conversation with Blake, uh, I was amazed. I didn't realize this, and I feel stupid now in retrospect. Uh, think about it. He was cleared a point in the story, like you're talking about uh, Blake. He made a point to make Blake uh, the, the 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 dichotomy of you know they're talking about they're fighting the the uh, the Grim, yeah. and you know she, you see her after she, her her identity is revealed. She's standing before the statue, staring at the Grim. And so she's having to ask herself, you know, am I just a beast as well? I'm like, I didn't catch on to that. No wonder they're so ashamed of themselves. Like, not only are they discriminated on, they have to deal with the identity. Are they themselves beasts? Like, I completely failed at that. Yeah, man. It's it's so interesting, just the the little things that they put in throughout the show. Oh, yeah. It can just be little tiny beats that don't mean anything until you know something later on. So the show is almost built for rewatching. Oh, it is because uh, I found out they they intentionally like were always planting seeds, <laughs> always planting seeds. Yeah, it's and like it, dang. That's such such a great great 
thing about this show is that it it will hold up even if you know the animation is not necessarily what you would appreciate given what the show looked like now and all of that stuff but there's so much stuff in it the content that's there is so interesting and then when you know more there's even more for you to to see now, once you rewatch it here's a quick question for you do you if they had so like with rooster teeth or with uh with uh reverse blue they remastered the entire first season you know as the series went on yeah if that would you like the idea of them remastering the first season of ruby because I, I was playing around with the idea today i was like i don't yeah. know you know, I could see that being a good idea just from the standpoint of bringing new people in. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to watch that. <laughs> like, I, I, I think I was... just watching the show progress as it did. And uh, so, for instance, in the first series, I'm sure we'll mention in a second, but the, the characters that are in it that are main characters... You see them, they're all fine. Anyone that isn't a main character that doesn't have speaking lines is just a black shadow in the first series for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, I'm sure that was a time saving thing, but it kind of helped to show as the series then progressed that they were, they were growing in their ability to be like, okay, now we have more time on this. But also, I feel like it helped show the world filling in and it's unintentionally i'm sure but to to me it also seems like the show for the most part is told from the point of view of ruby wise blake and yang and then you also see some of the others but i feel like you're kind of seeing what they're seeing they're not paying attention to the people that are around them especially when she first goes to to the academy she's just paying attention to all of the stuff she doesn't care about the people around her and I feel like as she grows more mature, she's starting to notice all the people around her, and so we see it. And obviously that is not at all what they were going for. But no, no. It adds an extra layer to me, just watching it. No. So. It's, it's cool to like realize like how much they've grown the show, as you've been saying, with uh, the fact that they start the show started off with like a handful of animators. I think at least the first season was 20 animators. Right. I think now they bring on at least a hundred per season. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, this so is like, a massive show for them. Yeah, so it's a huge show for them. But it's just a, you know, it's not surprising to see these massive jumps in quality. So like, as I was watching the season, like I said, it still holds up. It's still solid, um, but you still see kind of choppiness to the walking animations. To like where I look at the newest seasons now, I'm like, I don't see any of that. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just it's a it's a credit to how well they did, they nailed it on the first go around. They're like, okay, this is our one season. We got to bring out all the stops and even the minor flaws still make it shine bright. So yeah. Um, and uh, to bring it all the way back to the question that I originally asked, uh, my favorite. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not the best for staying on task. <laughs> I think anyone that listens to this podcast knows that we are never very good at staying no. on task. Um, Who's yours? Yeah, my favorite out of the four is actually Yang. And it's, okay. not, it's not because I think she's the best character, but it's because I think 
Barbara Dunkelman is just absolutely perfect as her. She and is. It's so fun. In fact, my probably my favorite line in the entire show is just something incredibly stupid, but it's from Yang, and it's when they're right at the beginning of the whole series when they're flying into the academy, and someone pop, pops up to give the announcement, and Yang goes, "Who's that?" And then the oh. <laughs> the announcement says it, and she just goes, "Oh, oh." <laughs> For whatever reason, that just stuck with me. <laughs> it, it, it is. I I was listening to it again today, and I still chuckled at that scene. Like, what? Oh, never mind. That shit is pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah, just an immediate response to the question. Oh, okay. I kind of like it because it makes it feel like it's not scripted. It, like that's those moments that make you realize, like, oh, these are characters. Like they they have their quirks. Like who hasn't done that? Like, but wait, what about? Oh, they're answering my question right now. <laughs> yes. <no. laughs> Yeah, and it, it, again, like, obviously not touching on anything in the, the next few seasons, but it is very cool to see young Yang as opposed yeah. to later Yang. So Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I won't lie, I still adore Ruby and the voice actor there, uh, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot, I, if you put any other voice on it, I can't imagine anyone else on that character <laughs> no yeah it's it's really interesting as well because obviously having watched achievement hunter stuff and rooster stuff i have seen Lindsay in a lot of things i've heard a normal voice yeah and i still can't picture her doing this voice even though i have seen video of her doing this voice i just can't put the two together so it Kind of she's a dedicated voice is. actor, though. Yeah. Like she'll she'll spend. Uh, I think I've seen videos. Like she'll spend like twenty minutes just trying to get into that mindset of Ruby, and then start talking. I was like, "Whoa, wow!" <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it it's really cool as well because Lindsay hadn't really done any voice work before this, oh. and they gave her the lead role. So yeah. it's, it's really interesting that they were willing to give her a chance on it and clearly she she wouldn't have been chosen good monty wouldn't have let someone that wasn't able no. to do it do it so, so. No, they're very they're very dedicated to whoever we pick we're sticking long guns and that's what i've always loved about rooster teeth shows in general they're not i i love it when they do bring in like new voice actors new all that stuff even bringing in big wigs like i know that new gen 13 they just brought on J- david Tennant onto the show i'm like holy moly but i love i've always loved the fact that they've always tried to keep it all internal yeah yeah i mean that there's always that level of uh you know there's always a cameo here and there for those that are big fans of rooster teeth and Stephen hunter and there is that little level of just, hey, we always do this, so here's a little nod to you, but it's never completely pointless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always it's something that's really cool. Uh, I think one of my favorite things when I was re-watching it was how much uh, Ryan Hayworth character is <laughs> 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 I, I I love his character for some reason. I don't know what it is. It's just like 
uh, I the think ones he does. It's just... Are you endeared to him because of the Minecraft things when he would torture the cows? I well, I mean, you know, Edgar is the one in the hole, so he is. <laughs> so like, ever since he's done that, every time I hear his voice sound, I'm like it's Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for the Mad King. It's just Mad King, Mad King, right? Uh, but Ned, like, he's clearly having, and I've said this many, many times about various things. But one of the things I love most is when you can tell that someone is having fun. I think and, all of them are always having fun, though. Oh yeah, they're, they're always. I don't think fun. any voice actor ever feels like they're cutting halfway. Like they seem like they're genuinely just having a blast up there. Oh well, I mean, always it. Uh, I I know that you were listening uh, to it, and I've been uh, catching up on this episode. But Rob Paulson talking tune podcast, you can tell just from listening to that every single voice actor and Rob Paulson himself says nobody puts a gun to your head and tells you that you know you must be a voice actor. They're all there because they love it. Uh, but definitely uh, Ryan Hayward and. Joel Heyman. Dang it, yes! <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joel Heyman is just going absolutely insane. In I show. love Ublik. He is my favorite side character. I love it when he pops up. I go nuts whenever I see him now. <laughs> yeah, and it's just... Yeah, it is Joel Heyman on double speed. It's basically what this character is. <laughs> But I love that, that I love that they just created a character that's just super, super hyped up. Hello, children, what are you doing today? Good old, good old chaps. Another spot of cup of tea. <laughs> just, just always going. Yeah, it's it's almost like they they realized that they couldn't have Ruby be incredibly hyper every single time. So they just were like, um, Joel, would you mind being well, this? <laughs> Shout out to this. Not only did they flesh out the students, they fleshed out the teachers, man. I got to give them props for that. Not many kid TV shows are willing to flesh out the teachers. No. Because <laughs> like, I feel like Ublik and Professor Port have both had really serious moments, even in the first season. That was yeah. just like, wow. Yeah, they, they definitely did. And, uh, um yeah, again, not touching on it, but uh, they have very cool beats in season two and three as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they it really cool just to just to listen to these characters as they're uh, carrying on through the series, and even just what seem like little bit parts, like the teachers, as you say, they grow into these incredibly important characters and if you're paying attention you can really see the character growth in these characters that you wouldn't expect so yeah it, it is it really is just a lot of fun and uh one <laughs> the of the main reasons, fun. yeah one of the main reasons why i've enjoyed watching it so much heck the first episode i i think i got sold on the bat is you know first episode there's a store robbery going on, and Ruby's just sitting in the back listening to music. And the robbers stop her, and she's like, what? And they're like, wait, we're robbing the place. And she goes, you are? <laughs> she's like, it's just great. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, just, 
just watching that whole thing where it's like, even though I'd seen the the red trailer and then I started watching this, it was still just fun to just see this little girl to bust out the biggest size in the world. <laughs> I've always loved, like, when she busts out her side, like, when she shows Jean, she's like, oh, it's nothing, and just busts out the giant thing, and Jean's like, what the hell? Yeah, and it, and she just like, it's also a gun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gun? Oh, okay. And oh, again, so, so many great little little bits from the cast. As you, as you said earlier, it really does help just to kind of flesh them out. Like, when... Jean is talking about his shield and he's like, and look, it gets smaller. And she's like, doesn't it still weigh the same? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, it was fascinating listening to the director commentary on the characters. They were very clear to find those like quirks about them. So Ruby is the hyperactive one, but like, like, you know, when Monty refers to his Bible, uh, I can't remember who drinks tea and who drinks coffee it was Blake drinks coffee Yang drink uh, and Weiss drinks tea, yes. which is huge. It's like minor to us, but like that's huge in understanding the characters. Like the small quirks about them is what helps to define them overall. It's like that, you know, it helps to build off of those small things as you get more more into the characters. Like you start to see those small things that you can relate to. Yeah, that person, I can see that in me, and I can see this in me. Like it was really cool to see that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and also it's got that. And I'm sure that's why it's in there. That subtle nod to someone who drinks tea is stereotypically someone that would be more upper class than someone that just drinks coffee. Yeah. Even though that might not actually be the case, that's just how it's perceived. So it definitely helps to sell Weiss as being this uh, upper class brat that's a know-it-all. And she very much is. Uh, <laughs> So we've we've talked about the 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 characters that we most uh, enjoyed. Was there a character just from the first season that you were kind of like really surprised by the overall growth outside of the main four, or just even if it is just the main four, like things that like shocked you about the season as you watched it from beginning to end? Um, you know, my the thing that really shocked me the most about the first season was the fact that in this show called Ruby about the really like realistically about the four main characters primarily mm-hmm. but they spent so much time on the other teens and the mm-hmm. other characters like uh, is it Juniper yes and, uh, uh, <laughs> and what's the other one that, uh, uh, really involved in that one Cry- Cry- Cryle Cryle yeah, I know. It's like, uh, which one? Uh, uh, I'm trying to find those people now. Uh, Cardinal. Cardinal, that's it. And and then you do have others later, but uh, those were the ones that really stuck out in this one. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there was so much dedicated to these characters that you had no idea. I mean, obviously, since they were the ones that weren't black and faded in the background, you knew <laughs> they that they would have <laughs> they speaking roles and that, but especially Jean and Pyra, mm. like, that Dude, relationship. That, that really whole cool. revelation of of Jean as this show, because I remember watching the first episode, and I'm like, I don't know how, I've, or even the second episode, when you're watching Jean, you're like, 
he's a typical nerdy kid and they have like they've done amazing stuff with Jean. He is by far he, of all the Ruby character, every single character, you know, he is my character that I will follow. He is to me. He's he most reminds me of myself now that I've like gotten to know him. Like he is a very diverse every character. Let's be clear, every character is very well defined and has amazing backstories. But I don't know why I just really resonate with Jean. <laughs> I love what you know. I can see why you just resonate with Jean. Um, especially you know, the f- first series where he, he is someone that's uh, he's not totally sure of himself and as you see during the series there's a very good reason for that yeah. but, <laughs> but yeah he definitely comes into his own as uh, even as this series goes on let alone oh, yeah. later ones so. and as I said the relationship between Jean and Pyra is fantastic to watch it's in like this season great chemistry though yeah, yeah. I, I I had to really recognize like you no know like most most of the time of selling like sh- sh- movies like when you see a couple or people getting together they have to have good chemistry. I was really surprised thinking about it. like these two do have surprisingly charming chemistry with each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... Not even in that romantic sense, but like as friends, like you really get that sense of like okay, these are people who even though they've gotten to know each other, like they've really kind of hit it off. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it, it was really cool to watch, especially when you can tell Jean is someone that is always doubting himself and doesn't really stand up for himself, and Pyra recognizes that in him and knows that despite all of that, he can be better and can strive for more, and she's just wants to pull that out of him and yeah it's not explicitly stated and uh, they they obviously touch on it a little bit more after this season but uh it's so well done without hitting you over the head with it so. oh here's the thing i didn't realize that i learned this uh today at listening to the director commentary so when we talk about John growing a lot in this season apparently the big thing for pira learning in this season because you it's not really Express, but I didn't realize until they said it. Like the thing for Kira to realize is that there are going to be people who are not going to want your help, even though they cl- clearly need it. So like John, like straight up refusing her repeatedly, she always just kept trying to help him. He's like, "You don't understand. I don't want your help." And that's like in Pyrrha's na- Pyrrha's. Yeah, I can't say it right. Yeah. But that's it. Very much built into her nature that she wants to help people, even when they don't want it. It's like, oh, I didn't catch on to that. Yeah, and she she's very matter of fact, just like oh hey, let me help. But uh, yeah, obviously but they, uh, really, she might not realize that people don't want it. Yeah, that's so, a, a again a very recognizable trait. So. Yes. Okay, one last chemistry discussion. How perfect is Ruby and uh, Yang dynamic? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, uh, it's <laughs> so good for siblings. Yeah, and, and that is one thing as well that I, again, really enjoyed about this series because I obviously know more, having seen later series, but they mention several times that Ruby is Yang's sister. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Like, you get no other details. There's no explanation about anything else past that. And I remember watching this and... Uh, going through it and just being like, like 
their system? Really? Their system? Because yeah. they're obviously very different personality-wise. They're very different uh, aesthetically. And they they even have slightly different ways of talking. So it's like, I, I went through the series just going, how are they sisters? Like They clearly have very different uh background and even upbringing a little bit so it's like what what's happened here and so and again this isn't a show that will tell you like well mm, eventually but uh that's uh, yeah. the whole, like pl- pl- playing those seeds yeah it's just something that uh, it'll get to it when it gets to it at a good point in the story it's not one yeah. of those things that you see especially in um yeah, old man mode on TV nowadays. Uh, <laughs> you can't really hold a mystery over someone's head for several seasons <coughs> Lost. In, in American TV. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of Lost. I'll just say <laughs> not a fan I, of I, I'm one of those who really love Lost, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, Lost is really kind of stupid when you think about it. <laughs> well, I... Uh, I I watched the first episode with my housemates when we were at university, and that was the first episode that aired on TV. So we watched that, and I we finished the first episode, and I turned to them and said, "I will not be watching any more of this." And I didn't. I didn't watch any more Lost, and they got thoroughly into it, and they they got through it, and then I remember watching on Facebook about five minutes after the finale aired and just watching their disappointment shall we say at how some things were not covered and yes. some people just left completely dangling like the... and then some things were unsatisfactorily talked about so it's like I, I saw them just pop this out on Facebook and I sent them both a text just being like told you yeah. <laughs> but whereas Lost did that Ruby <laughs> yeah Ruby I, I, I... I like how they handled the White Fang because, like, that was like kind of the first mystery they introduced. Like, there there were tons of mysteries, but I think like that was their first like we're gonna flesh this out this season and then we're gonna expand more. But that was I feel like that. Would you agree that's like the first mystery that they they present and then show you by the end of it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, especially you know, being able to go back with uh, knowledge of what's to come. Yeah. There are many things in the first series that you don't realize are going to be mysteries that will pop up. Uh, but yes, I would say that the White Fang is the first thing that gets fleshed out that starts out as a real mystery. I mean, obviously you've got the very, very beginning with someone that you don't know, but oh, turned out to be Cinder. And yeah. like that just it's like oh that's kind of interesting you don't see her face and then you don't really see her very much at all (laughs) well they technically they showed off cinder at the very end of season one yeah uh post credit that's crazy i didn't realize this i've totally forgot ruby does post credit scenes at the end of of the seasons (laughs) yeah yeah i i i do enjoy something like that especially if it's something that helps set up the next season which is what they yeah they did very well, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was something where I I saw the first episode and you see Cinder without seeing Cinder, really in the first episode, and then it's like oh so this is going to be the main antagonist and so nope don't nope. <laughs> like uh, just an interesting character that does come back but 
isn't the main focus of the show. Yeah. And then you get this delving into the White Fang just because it's a major sticking point between two of the main characters. And because of that, it gets delved into. And it's very natural, which yeah. is astounding. Okay. I mean, even, say, regular anime, you get a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, well, there's this one thing. And then you just get an entire 30-minute side episode, which is like a flashback. And then it's like, okay, well, now you know everything you need to know about this. Let's move forward. And this show, again, doesn't do that. There's... Nope. <laughs> At least not now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a breath of fresh air, really. It is. Uh, as, you know, as both of us are big anime fans, I'm really shocked how, like, and I do throw this in the anime category. Yeah, I would too. Because... Given how response, it's it's one of the shows like you've you've heard of shows that like get hyped before they get started. There were people cosplaying Ruby before year or two before you even went to syndication. Yeah, that's how big of an impact it had on you know the community. And then when it came out, it's become such a phenomenon that even overseas, you know, in Japan, they're like Ruby is the jam <laughs> you know like it's it is like the full metal alchemist to that to their culture as it is to our culture yeah and that's it's weird to say that out loud like because um, when you really compare it to other animes like this follows a lot of tropes i feel like uh, ruby doesn't fall into too many tropes because they're always keeping you on your toes yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's Interesting as well, because obviously Monty, huge anime fan. Oh, absolutely massive anime fan. And it's clear just watching the show, even if you don't watch all of the animes that this show references in one way or another, it's clear that there are many, many, many anime references in it and also tropes that they use and play with. But often what... I found that they do is they will use an anime trope for like five seconds, and then it's like, and that's the end of that. Uh, such as yeah. uh, like whenever Ruby is kind of getting incredibly animated, and she's just darting all over the place, <laughs> like it, and it only happens like two or three times, and it's always someone else just stops her <laughs> when she's doing it, and then you just continue on. It's like it's not something that happens in every episode. It's not something that happens every two episodes. It's just, uh, oh, she's that excited, and uh, like, off she goes, and then that's it. So yeah, nice to see that. It's not something that is so regular that this will always happen here. This will always happen here. So, again, it's nice. No, it's, it really is. I, I just enjoyed Ruby just because it's it breaks every trend. It defies anime. It defies traditional television style because it's not a typical 30-minute show. Some episodes are 30 minutes, but, like, some episodes are 10 minutes. Yeah. So it, every single time it's just – and not only that, it comes out on a dedicated uh, website. It's not a YouTube special show. It's by Rooster Teeth, and Rooster Teeth, by its very nature, has been trend-setting for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's just cool to see like a show that was made in America has it's 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 
gone beyond what I think anybody could have ever anticipated. I don't think uh, I would be shocked to hear if uh, if Bernie Burns or anyone who was in the upper management role to say that Ruby would have gone as far as it has. Because I think they've always they've always pushed art first and like sales second. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, and this has just been a huge hit for them. Yeah, when it comes to Rooster Teeth, it's been a company that I've always found really refreshing. In that they will make something because they really want to make it and they want to see it happen, rather than. Well, this sounds like we could make money out of it. Yeah. And every single time they do it, they end up making something that, at the very least, it looks as good as it could for that thing. And sometimes it just doesn't take off. They'll do one series or one thing, and then that's it. And They're always experimenting, which I love. And they, when the things that they do, even if they don't do well, I feel, feel like they give them good send-offs. I don't think they've ever left a show hanging. They've always tried to, like, if it's show, if they made the effort to make it and then they're going to end it, they've made a point to, like, try to put it on a note where they're creatively okay with it at that point and then move on. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and even, I, I've always just had huge respect for Rooster Teeth just because even if I don't enjoy it, like, I don't enjoy the movies they put out, but I give them huge props to the fact that they're like, we crowdfunded this. We put the movie out, and you know what? We want to support the fans. We want to support uh, – so I give them kudos for that, you know, and the fact that they continue to support Ruby the way it is. Like, it is one of their titans now. <laughs> I Would you say – I think it's Warp's uh, Red versus Blue. Uh, I would say I... Ruby is definitely more well-known, I think, at this okay. point worldwide. Definitely more well-known. However, I still think Red versus Blue is – I think Red vs. Blue is going to be one of those things that it's going to keep going for a while and it's going to be big and it's going to be synonymous with Rooster Teeth. And well, it's the first show, so... <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that Ruby... I don't think Ruby's going to go as long as Red vs. Blue. And I, I think... I am so terrified of that. I, I really hope they have, like... I, I don't want it to end so- anytime soon, but I hope that they have an end mark in mind. I, I feel like Monty would have written an end for the characters. Yeah. It might not be this will happen after this many seasons, but I feel like Monty will have written what will be the final thing for these characters. So I, I don't, I'm not worried there. <laughs> well, I'm not worried, I, and as much as it's pains me to say, I don't think Monty had an idea where he was going to end the story, but I feel like Miles and Carrie are carrying on the legacy well. <laughs> they... Yeah. To see the growth, they even after Monty sadly passed, the where the the plot where they took the characters, I was so stunned with like some of the shocking reveals. Like even after like season three, you're like, oh whoa, <laughs> <laughs> they because like it's not most anime like they're not willing to take a risk, and Ruby always took a risk at the end of a season. You're like, not every character came away okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. always shocked by that. I was like, I feel like when they did that, I'm trying to avoid spoilers for like what? season two and three. But like yeah. when they started to do certain things with characters, I'm like, oh, no character's safe. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fairly certain. I know what you're talking about, and that's yeah. a respect, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it it is something that is is something that I appreciate in 
anime really as well is especially some of the ones that I've found more recently uh, such as Knights of Sidonia and Attack on Titan well being that you have a show that is great well done but great story and then you also have to come to the understanding that if it works better for the story like characters will go there's, yeah there's no everyone say i mean obviously without without trying to get too much weight the main four reasonably safe because the show is called ruby but, true so, but what they've had some sacrifices for them and, oh yeah no yeah. yeah that's not to say that they come away completely unclean <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's um it is cool to see a show that's willing to willing to do what it needs to do to have such a compelling story, and even in in this series, it doesn't it doesn't feel like, especially compared to later series, it doesn't feel like there's huge things that characters really need to deal with. But in this in this first series, as we said earlier, that they really started delving into an entire subsection of society just being shunned and looked down upon and then having you realize that one of the main characters is from this and having to see who's going to come forward like is someone going to stand up or are they going to continue to shun them like how how's it going to go are any of the characters going to grow because of this and or if they have to develop. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's something that... It, it's a show that started out as something obviously Monty thought of, and then it was just trailers that was just action, action, action. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is just going to be uh, almost just like a shonen-type show. It's kind of how it was coming across from the trailers, and then even from the first episode, it's like, oh, okay, yeah you're willing to do this, this and this, and you're really building this interesting world. And I thoroughly enjoyed rewatching it, especially, especially when they have the students go for the initiation. I thought that was such a great, a great thing that they did where they literally, yeah, they literally <laughs> launched these kids into the unknown with no What is your strategy? <laughs> what learning strategy? What learning strategy? Yes. It's just, oh, yeah, and, and what is learning strategy? Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because I have to bring it up. I've been wanting, dying to find a way to segue in this perfect moment. Oh, I love the boop. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes, the boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love those two characters. I don't know why. I kind of like uh, Team Juniper more than Ruby. <laughs> well, I, feel terrible, I feel terrible saying that, but I love those whole that, that whole crew. I, well, I mean, it, they are really cool. It's, uh, and it, it's something that... As as we kind of said before, it's really telling for a show that you can look forward to the, uh, in air quotes, side characters. 
Yeah. As much, if not more so, than the main characters. There were two whole episodes in season one dedicated to Team Juniper. No, it was. No, three. Wait, let's see. I'm looking at like the list, episode list. One, two, three. That was four episodes they dedicated to Team Juniper out of 16 episodes. Yeah, and and like that does the way you say it like that. So four out of sixteen, so a quarter of it dedicated to the others, and you go, okay, well that means the rest are dedicated to. And that's not the case. No, no, no. The, the opening few episodes are obviously Ruby and the others coming to the academy. You're getting a lot of world building there, and then most of the rest of the episodes are huge, like multi multi-storyline things so you have ruby and then you also have what becomes juniper and what becomes cardinal and you have the stuff that's going on with others so it's really not that many episodes that focus solely on ruby so i I think there's actually more focus on juniper than anything else in this series but but you have the really big moments with ruby so yes yeah did they uh, did they reveal Jun- the team Juniper's bedroom compared to, to Team Ruby? <laughs> I love Team Ruby's bedroom of bunk beds <laughs> tied together with ropes. Well, I mean, you you know that that is all Ruby right there. Uh... I know, but, but it's so amazing. <laughs> like every time I was, I was rewatching it again, like. I love that bedroom. It's a total hazard. Someone should die. Yeah. <laughs> it works. And then, of course, the the Achievement Hunter poster. Of course. <laughs> I do love it when they sneak those those Easter eggs. I even love like when they're preparing that bedroom, like uh, uh, Blake is like pulling up her books, and then she has like one book, like Sexy Ninjas or something like that. She's sneaking under her bed. Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, it's like, but it's yeah, but it's just really funny. Like we were talking about earlier about how they just snuck in things that like just made it in, like one snuck in show stuff about other shows they do or make it very aware. This is Rooster Teeth guys, remember? But the little yeah. things like that like remind us like each person has their own quirks. I love that they pointed out even like when they're having there's that lunch scene when they're torturing that other fauna. If you look on the table and see what each person's eating is. In st- it's in line with their character. So in front of Ruby, she's eating cookies, <laughs> and Jean's eating chicken nuggets. Yep, that's about right. <laughs> but it's just crazy how like how attentive to detail they were. And the thing that blew me away, like this is how far in detail that Miles, Carey, and Monty went into. So you were talking about earlier about the the newscaster guy. Yeah, the newscaster guy had a name. It's never mentioned in the show, but this is how far they went. His name was Cyril, and last name Marillion, so that his full name was Sarah Marillion. Of course it was. <laughs> Every character had – if they introduced a character, the character had to be related in some way to a color or something. It's like, really? You guys went that far? And like, uh, Apparently I found out like they still do that kind of stuff. Like They're always – hinting those small small details even just super super obscure characters because i would doubt that the newscaster is a side character yeah <laughs> but the fact that they go that far to like how dedicated are we to this this craft of fleshing out the world like even the characters have unique odd names yeah and it's 
it's really interesting as well because I find that I have trouble remembering the names of some characters, especially if they haven't been on screen for very yeah, long. I know. <laughs> uh, and I feel that if I were to rewatch each season, then it would come more easily to me the the names of all the characters. But I find that even if I don't necessarily remember the names of the characters, I definitely still remember the characters. So, and that's something to be said, because there are, as you may have gathered from listening to this, and obviously, hopefully, you've seen the show before listening to it this far, but there are so many characters in this show, and none of them feel... Like they're just by the wayside. Even even Penny. Penny turns oh, up right towards the end. <laughs> and it's clear straight away that she is a character that will continue to show up. And just, uh, love... yeah. yeah, keep an eye on Penny. <laughs> yep. Just, yeah. How are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, yes, you'll find out. <laughs> yes. Ah, so, yeah, just to show, uh, just in retrospective, like, keep in mind, like, there was a ton of love and crap that went into the show. The 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 one fight scene of where they're fighting the raven and the, uh, the scorpion, scorpion was all yeah. animated by Monty, and he did that in three weeks. That Ooh. whole animatic. Oh, dear. Yeah, that, that, that guy must not have slept in the three weeks. So, like, as they were going through the director commentary, like, they identified what animators were on which episodes and which... But anytime it was, like, the big scene, like, he he handled it. And I just couldn't imagine one person animating all of that that we saw. Because, like, the, that was the show, the show, like, how good the, the fight animations and how well they're choreographed. Because one of the big things that always blew me away about Monty... His whole philosophy was that if there's motion, you have to justify the motion. So if you always pay attention to Ruby in the show, when she's moving really fast, aside from her little power, when she when she's moving fast, she's always shooting a bullet. She's building her momentum off bullets. Yeah, that's why her size is also a gun. Yeah, and like Yang with her gauntlets, like the gauntlets give her the motion for her powerful attacks. Uh. You know, Blake having to use her, her the rope to build up her 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 inertia as she's going around objects. Va- uh, Nora using the hammer blast to shove her across the area. It was just very meticulous of how he was how his philosophy worked with motion, and it still holds true to today, which I'm very happy about. That that was when they really started changing the style and they've moved away from the original ideas they were still very clear like the the thing that's always held true is that the motion has to be held true like that the, the like we've i've been rambling about the craft the dedication they have you know monty spent three whole weeks on capturing that idea of motion and it's cool to see that they've carried it on to today you know yeah and it, it is interesting because you get a lot of shows where and yeah, this one does have it as well, but uh, a lot of shows where the whole thing about how can a character do this is just they have the ability to. Yeah. So it's not just, it's like, oh, well, they have the supernatural abilities that lets them do this. And in this show, it is 
very very clear exactly where these guys are getting their ability like you have mm-hmm. ruby who is, as you said she's able to go really really quickly but it's quite clear that she's getting it from her equipment and she's able to use it really well and then you've got weiss who most of her abilities come from dust which is it's, uh, material in the world that enables uh, spells and stuff, spell-like things to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Yang, who she has uh, gauntlets, and then she also... I never fully understand in the show, does she actually glow like a Super Saiyan, or is that in her <laughs> head? That's her just... <laughs> no, that that's something she actually puts off. It's part of her semblance. Yeah. So, that... so because she can activate it, if she activates it, that's what happens to her body. And yeah. so any damage she takes at that moment, she can redirect it. Yeah, that, that's... I was trying to remember uh, exactly how it went, and it was something that uh, wasn't coming to mind, but it's like... It, it's something that I found really interesting that they were able to say most of the abilities that these guys are showing off are either directly from equipment or things that they have and then on top of that their natural abilities so a lot of faunas have uh, the animal that they are like they have the abilities of those animals on mm-hmm. top of being able to use everything else so yeah. it, it comes down to a lot of stuff like that and then you have the slight additional superhuman stuff on top of that that they do so it's uh it's interesting that it's not just a show of oh everyone is able to fly, or no. <laughs> so. no, it, it's very clear that they point out that like you have to train, <laughs> as most clearly pointed out by Jean. <laughs> yes, you have to you have to get good, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can't just be good. You gotta get good. Yeah, get good. So uh, I figure we've been going. On, do you want to start wrapping it up? Yeah. I was, okay. Do you, do you have any, I, I mean, I, I I mentioned mine at the beginning. Do you have a, a favorite moment or even just a line or anything from the show from this season? Boop. <laughs> yeah, okay, boop. Uh, I, I will always say, just, just because I grew to love Nora and, and uh, ran out of that scene. But uh, I would have to say, like, when Jean is on the roof with Pira, I will always find that scene endearing. Just because it's someone who's like he—he's clearly like he's the jokester guy, but he's actually like opening up. It's like, I don't belong here, but I'm going to strive to be here. You know, like you all recognize that I'm not the best, but because I'm not the best, I have to be the best for you all to identify your strengths and make you be. You know, just I don't know. There's just so much that was going on in that one scene that just nailed it for me, and Miles nailed the the, the direction of it that totally reshaped the image of that character in my mind. Yeah, and it's cool. You ha- you have these really important story beats and really strong moments in the show. In a show that's about just these weird things, and it, it and they all feel perfectly natural in this show. They do. Like the there's there's still an emotional scene with like Sun and Blake later in the season, but I don't know why the like that one's still emotional. But I feel like it's more one sided because Sun is just being Sun. <laughs> yeah. He's just like 
oh, really? Tell me more. Just like he's overly jovial about this whole conversation over tea or tea and coffee, by the way. But like with with John and Pira on looking at the moon and just having to come to terms with who each other were. It's like, oh, okay, this is really well done. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that was a fantastic scene, and uh, I mentioned my favorite line earlier, but uh, I, I think my favorite thing, and it made him better with what you what you were saying earlier, uh, but the the fight scene between the teams and the the flying grim and the scorpion grim, it, that 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 to me kind of sums up this series it's just it a lot of action a lot of insane choreography (laughs) and being able to see each character kind of use their own abilities and uh, that you even have blake almost falling away at one point like she misjudges something and she's she's not able to do it and she's sort of able to catch herself with her uh sort of gun slash grappling hook thing. <laughs> I'm not sure what to call it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's such a fun scene and I was very much looking forward to re-seeing that bit. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about the, uh, the who's that? Oh, bit. And so uh, it was just fun <laughs> again when I rewatched it. But yeah, that was... So I you think... got your, oh, and I got my boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, uh, I could not recommend this show enough to pretty much anyone that likes anime, anyone that likes Rooster Teeth, and just anyone looking for a fun show to watch. Now, I do happen to know some people, my sister included, that will absolutely refuse to watch this, whether and whether it just because they don't even want to like watch. Ruby Ruby tends to break the trend like I feel like that that if you were to give me if you wanted to because there we were talking about beginner anime I feel like Ruby would be the first one to like really help to break that mold of people like if you like this then like try this you know <laughs> no I I definitely agree there but like my sister for instance she hates watching animated things <laughs> The reason she gave me years ago when I asked her why she doesn't like watching animated things, like even The Simpsons doesn't want to watch it because it's not real. (laughs) That was what she said. You can't watch any Disney movies either? I I don't know. I just was, she said before, I think it might just be TV shows. I don't know if films are okay. But yeah, watching TV animated TV shows she didn't enjoy because they weren't real people acting it out. They weren't real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to break it to her that supernatural doesn't actually happen either. It's uh, people in costumes. But you hold your tongue, Dean, and, and whatever his name is, our Sam. true saviors of Sam. <laughs> I've still only seen season season one, so I've never kept up on it. I, oh, when I season one, I liked, but I was like, I don't know if I want to dedicate twenty seasons of this in my life. Hey, there's only fourteen at this point. Fourteen with like what twenty six episodes an hour apiece? Like, nope. Let's see. Yeah, uh, there there's twenty three or twenty four or twenty five or twenty six in each season, except for season three. 
when they did a half season for some reason. So <laughs> uh, nah, I don't have the time. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I am not. Even if I like the show, I if I had to like if I were to want to catch up and I wanted to appreciate the show for what it is, like I would have to just start doing long haul, and I couldn't sit and binge it because I would get annoyed with it. Yeah, no, fair enough. But uh, you know what you. You know what show you can sit and binge fairly easily? Ruby. So. Yes, you can. Uh, each season is very digestible at between uh, hour to, uh, between two hours or three hours, depending on the length of the season. Like I said, every episode is different in lengthwise. So, and not only that, I like that you get, you could just watch even if you don't have the, like a whole half hour. Not every episode is a half hour. You could just watch a ten minute episode and you can be on your day. Yeah, and I will say anyone that has only seen the first season of this, uh, the first episode of season two has possibly just my favorite thing that occurs in the entirety of Ruby, which would be the food fight scene. Oh, season two. I love If anyone needs a reason why they should love the show is that that scene. I think we both have mentioned how much we love that that little bit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's something that, I wasn't expecting it to happen, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was it's just... so good. I bet I could. Sh- I bet I could sell anyone on Ruby just with that scene alone. Like, if you like this, this whole show's like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who are just starting, and you're like, I like this, you're gonna have your mind blown at the first episode <laughs> of season two. You're gonna be like, I am sold for the rest of my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love. Gosh, I love that fight scene. <laughs> so yes, uh, in closing, uh, yes. everyone watch Ruby, especially the first episode of season two. Yes, <laughs> which is a great definitely... thing to mention on a retrospective of season one. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely give it a give it a watch. I you know we've been we've been pra- giving it our praise, but I really like re- when you watch it. I really want people who have never seen it before. If you go back and rewatch it. Just really pay attention to the little things they've thrown in there, like, and just recognize how much love and work they put into this. Like, just to find out that it took Monty three weeks to mo- animate all those characters for that one fight scene. One. Yeah, and and that's another thing as well. Like, yes, it took him three weeks to do one fight scene, but think about it. Back then, it only took him three weeks to do Only that one, one man. One man. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it, insane. And uh, as we said, Monty will be sorely missed because I can only imagine what else this show could have done if he was still around. If you do want to go see some other stuff by him, he has, he has two series that I really love to death. Um, is it called Haloid? It was, yes. Yeah, and then there's – Haloid is a really cool, fun short he created. And then there's Dead Fantasy. Dead Fantasy is awesome, which is his uh, Dead are, this Dead or Alive characters versus Final Fantasy characters. I've not seen that one. I've seen Haloid, and I know that Haloid was basically uh, what ended up being his audition for joining Rooster Teeth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, oh, if you for a fun fact, if you listen to season ten uh, um, uh, commentary, you find out the reason. Uh, so Monty was offered a job at Rooster Teeth at like season seven, and Monty didn't understand the email, 
They literally gave him a full-on job offer, and he didn't understand what they were saying. So he went like multiple years not understanding that they had given him a full-time offer, and then because he misunderstood the email. Oh dear! It's just like Monty. No. I I mean that is entirely Monty, but that is yeah. But yeah, that's a fun side fact. But all right, on that note, everybody. Yes, uh, thank you for sticking with us this far, and uh, hopefully we've encouraged you to watch slash rewatch Ruby Season 1, and more so past that. Uh, Yes. uh, uh, I think with all of that being said, I've been Paul. I've been Pat. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Hi there, Paul here with a quick theatre etiquette lesson for you. Did you know that opening a bag of candy can take less than five seconds?